0: Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic, here with my dogs, Lucy and Bert. Together, we're interviewing cool, creative women entrepreneurs in the pet industry. Do you dream of working alongside your dog? Then sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode to find the inspiration and resources that will help you grow your own dog-inspired business. On this episode, I'm talking to a dog mom who saw an opportunity to apply her sewing and design problem-solving skills to the pet industry. Her brand new startup is focused on creating products based around making the dog walk a better experience. We discuss how she and her co-founder, who's also her brother, found a local manufacturer who gives back to the community. If you're a maker or just curious about design, you'll love this interview. Jen Fox is co-owner of Bumblebee Pet Company, a newly launched brand that creates dog gear designed to take the hassle out of the everyday dog walk. Jen began the company with her brother, Eric, after wanting to start a business together that reflected their interests and values and their mutual love of dogs quickly rose to the top of the list, along with the desire to positively impact the community in which they live. To manufacture their products, Bumblebee Pet Company works with manufacturers who are contributing to the economy in their city of Albuquerque, New Mexico, by providing stable jobs at a living wage. Jen and Eric also give back a portion of their profits to animal rescue organizations, such as Animal Humane New Mexico. Bumblebee Pet Company is more than just a place to buy cool gear for dog walking. It's a business dedicated to creating a positive impact in the community with a commitment to local manufacturing. Hey, Jen. Hey, sorry. Thanks for being on the show. Of course. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited to learn um, more about what you do. You wear a lot of hats, I've learned. <laughs> That's true. So start off by telling us more about Bumblebee Pet Company. I know it's, it's a new brand, but how long have you been at it and what exactly are you guys doing?
1: Well, we officially launched last year, um, we being myself and my brother, Eric, um, we launched last year. And when we started, we had two products and we have a paw balm, which is a moisturizing salve using your dog pads, elbows, knees, whatever is dry. And then we had dog waste bag dispensers, which are little zippered pouches that hold a, a roll of dog bags and attach to the dog leash or harness or even your belt loop or anything like that. So we started out with those two products. And like you said in the introduction, it's because we're ex- it's easy to get excited about dogs. And that was really a no-brainer when we wanted to start a business together. It was, our dogs are the thing that we get really excited about. And it's easy to talk to other people about. So that's really how we landed on the pet products in in particular. That's awesome. So
0: what? What in your background led you to think, hey, I think we're gonna start a company
1: manufacturing dog waste bag holders. (laughs) Sure, yeah, so it's been a long and winding road. My professional background is interior design and I also have strong interest in sewing. So in my background, I've worked at architecture firms, I wrote a sewing book, I designed sewing patterns and the common thread is this love of design. And so uh, more recently with, the, with Bumblebee Pet Company, I've taken this, my innate love for design and this desire to kind of figure things out. It's almost like you have a problem and you use all the methods available to you to solve the problem. So that is the same, whether it's a sewing problem or whether it's a dog walking product problem or whatever it is, or interior design problem. So that's really the common thread Part of it was when we started this company, we wanted to figure out how to make some of the products ourselves to test the waters, so it was natural to select something that involved sewing, since I could personally make prototypes and make products um, to test the waters and kind of get things out there and see what people responded to. Very cool.
0: So you mentioned that you wrote a book (laughs) and I know that you also have an online course and you teach in-person workshops and you do like, so many amazing (laughs) things. And I I love that you're kind of bringing your problem solving to the pet industry because I think as pet owners, like we just, we use the hell out of everything that we use. Right. You know, dogs are hard on products, so you can find out quickly if if there's a flaw in something. And I think waste bag dispensers are a great thing to start out with because I've tried many, many, (laughs) and (laughs) they all have pluses and minuses. And I think that there's so many Dog products that could use a little bit of design help?
1: Yeah, totally. And we even started by going to big box stores or specialty pet stores and just kind of taking it all in, seeing what's on the shelves, seeing what we felt was successful, and seeing where we thought that there were gaps. Um, and so we approached it from kind of an analytical point of view. Mm-hmm. And we did see a need for waste bag dispensers that were cute, that were made in the USA, made locally and ethically, and that were super durable. So these were, we had a kind of a checkbox, a list of things that we wanted to solve by our new product. And so we kind of worked on the list and that's the way you do it with any design problem. You have a series of questions or a series of things you wanna solve and then you try to create one solution that addresses all of those things.
0: Very interesting. I would imagine that a lot of people, a lot of the people who listen to my show want to start their own pet business, pet related business. And I think a lot of people I think a lot of people are kind of crafty <laughs> and, and try to make things themselves. So, you know, you started out making your bags. How did you make the decision to switch to outsource your manufacturing? You, you know, what, what was the process like for that and like the pluses and minuses of doing it yourself
1: versus hiring someone? Sure. So if you can imagine a tiny little bag that's maybe two inches by four inches with a zipper and with all these little pieces, for me making that, it became very tedious. And after a while, it just felt like I was on an assembly line or a production line. And I really felt like that's not why I wanted to start this business i wanted to start this business to design solutions i didn't want to start the business so that i was crunched over my sewing machine you know making hundreds of bags and it was super it was really worthwhile experience for me to do that but i quickly realized because i've sewn for a long time (laughs) that i wouldn't be happy doing that forever and that wasn't the long-term solution so i could just feel myself becoming frustrated doing all of these Tasks myself and recognized that I was quickly approaching burnout and that I wanted to transition that responsibility to someone else who, frankly, is probably better equipped to do it. You know, they have all the machines and the manpower to do it. So I just decided that that was a task that I could clearly outsource to someone else. So how did you find
0: the, co? you use like a sewing cooperative to, to make your bags now. How did you, how did you find them? And like, what was the process? Did you start asking just individual people or did you, did you explore having it made overseas or anything
1: like that? What was that process like? So from the beginning, we knew we wanted to make it domestically. And there are a couple reasons for that. The most obvious reason was that we are so new to this that we felt like we really wanted face-to-face contact. We wanted to be able to tour the facility. We wanted to be able to have a clear contact who we could communicate with in person. And we decided that we wanted to do it domestically for that reason. And also because if you could do it domestically, it's often lower minimums and Mm -hmm. shipping lead times are much reduced if not eliminated. Mm -hmm. So those were the main reasons. But then when we kind of looked at it further, we realized, no, actually what we really want to do is have an impact on our own community, which is Albuquerque. New Mexico has its own set of challenges, and one is that it's economically, it's a very poor state. So we wanted to do what we could in our small little way to contribute to um, boosting our local economy. So that's kind of the preface. So we just we already knew we wanted to do it domestically, and then when we looked at specifically who we wanted to produce it, we are lucky enough to have a really strong community here of other creatives, of other entrepreneurs. So we had a network of people that we knew could refer us to someone. We started out asking for personal recommendations, and I spoke with people who had products manufactured and asked them about their process and pluses and minuses and all these things. And so we ended up talking to a, a handful of manufacturers here in Albuquerque, and you know we had a sample of our bag, and they gave us bids on the bag, and we kind of learned about their process and asked questions. And through that, we uh, narrowed it down to our final manufacturer. And so like you said, we were really excited about them, not only because they are local, but because they have social mission. So they really encourage their all of their employees to do education training. So they have tutoring programs, they have GED programs, they help out um, even the employees' children and grandchildren and, and, and do tutoring for them. And they have almost free childcare on site. So when all those things kind of converged, it was a no brainer for us to select them.
0: Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. That's awesome. So when you go into a situation like that with having other people make your product, what do you have to give them in order for them to make it? Like, is there, you (laughs) have to bring a pattern or do they create the pattern or like, what are the pieces that you provide to them to make it happen?
1: That is a good question. And I think a lot of peop- manufacturers do it differently. And so I can only speak to what our manufacturer does. Yeah. So what we did, since I sew, I was able to create the um, the final product. So I created the f- final mock-up of the product. And they used this as kind of their go-by when they were sewing their own products. So they would use my physical product as kind of like specifications for the ones that they would create for us. So, But I had to figure out everything like... How much fabric do we order if, of each color if we're making 250 of them? Like, how many inches of webbing do I need? How many, like, inches of zippers do I need? So figuring out all of that stuff, that was up to me. But they were really helpful at even, like, referring us to um, different suppliers and providing suggestions that way. So I would say every everyone does it a little bit differently, but usually they will have resources to refer you to if you need to do something specific that they can't actually accommodate under their own roof.
0: Yeah, that's very interesting. So you were, you mentioned before we even started talking about the manufacturing was that you started to feel like you were going to get burnt out when you were making these all yourself. Yeah. And I think that's a really relatable experience for a lot of people. Sometimes it's just like overwhelming and intimidating the volume of work that we need to do to run our own businesses. So do you have any advice on, on identifying when you might get burnt out or how to avoid it or how to get through it or any of that?
1: Sure. I would say that I can identify what, for myself when I am approaching burnout only because it's happened before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's almost just t- taking an honest look and recognizing that, you know, I am a type A personality. Like I am a perfectionist. I work really hard and often overwork <laughs> and that's just part of my nature and part of what I've always done. So for me, it's about trying to even set personal boundaries for myself. If I'm self-employed, it's like keeping set hours and not letting things, other distractions encroach into those hours and stopping when those hours stop, stop working. Mm -hmm. So I guess when I mentioned earlier that I was approaching burnout, it was just this feeling, this like mounting feeling Mm -hmm. of frustration and feeling like it wasn't that I was obviously not doing what I was meant to be doing or that it was, it was a slog and it wasn't like bringing you joy to, yeah. And it wasn't something to just persevere through because sometimes Mm -hmm. there are challenges that you just need to keep going and work through. And sometimes there are challenges that's a clear sign to stop and set and step back and, you know, take an assessment of, of what's going on.
0: Yeah. Sorry to interrupt the interview, but I would love to see what you're doing while you catch up with the Wear Wag Repeat podcast. Take a screenshot of this episode in your podcast player or snap a selfie with your earbuds in. Bonus points if it's on a dog walk and share it to your Instagram stories, tagging me at Mystic. I'll keep an eye out for mentions and I would love to give you a shout out from my own account. Okay, now back to the episode. So like, I'm just so fascinated by your, your history, your past, (laughs) all the, all the things that you have done, because I also have an online course. I've not written a book, but you know, I I think there's a lot that goes into all that like online marketing, like, you know, Mm -hmm. promoting an online course is very, it's a lot of online marketing. So Mm -hmm. is there any sort of experience or skill sets from that section of your career that you're bringing to Bumblebee? pet? Hmm.
1: That's a good question. And I would say that marketing is probably my biggest challenge. I'm a natural introvert, so it can be really hard for me to put myself out there in front of other people and, you know, actually reveal some of my personal self and not just my business side. Podcasting is a good way to do it because no one can see your face. They can only hear your voice. (laughs) Totally. But this is, you know, this is a big step. Like this is my introverted self. It's like, no, no, don't do it. But then I'm asking you you all these personal questions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I guess part of the skills that I've gained um, in other parts of my working history um, that I'm bringing to Bumpley, I mean, there's a lot of like graphic design skills that I had to do working at an architecture firm or designing my own sewing patterns, all that translates. And in fact, you know, I used to create construction documents for you know, new construction projects when I was an interior designer. And that's very similar, surprisingly, to putting together specifications to have something manufactured. And, you know, it's this level of detail. It's documenting everything in writing, maybe including diagrams with call outs or something so that everything's very clearly packaged so you can pass it along to a manufacturer and know that you're both on the same page because of something that's you know written down or drawn. Right.
0: So, okay, so we've been talking a lot about the the poo bag dispenser or waste bag dispenser, I guess is the more (laughs) PC way to put it. But you also have this paw balm, and I actually bought it and I already got it because it was super fast shipping. Okay, good. And I, I, I really wanted to use it on my new dog, Bert, because he's a hard time sitting. Like in a sit position on the wood floors, he's always slipping around. So mm-hmm. I thought a paw balm would be the perfect solution, and we've been using
1: it. So, how did you come up with that, and how is that made? Sure. So, that was going back to this idea of wanting to make products that, that Eric and I could actually make with our own two hands before we looked into doing manufacturing. So, that's one of them. We make that in our kitchen, and oh, we still hell. do. <laughs> we wanted to create something that would just moisturize the dog pads, like you said, because like moist, spongy pads can grip floors way better than dry, you know, kind of crusty, calloused ones. Yeah. We just did a lot of research and um, there's lots of you know, recipes out there for different kinds of salves and bombs. And we kind of like waded through all the ingredients and researched them and figured out what was lick friendly. We call it 100% yeah. lick friendly. <laughs> my, my brother's dog actually opened a whole container and ate it, ate the whole thing. Sounds like somebody <laughs> else I know. <laughs> <laughs> was a little bit like you're a dog, but his but his dog was totally fine, and so that was an accidental test, but that was like the true test of like okay, this is like totally safe and You know, not harmful and safe for our pets. Yeah, I think it's really
0: cool. So, like, it's very neat that you're you kind of identified your niche for your business as things that are specifically focused on like the dog walk. So the paw balm helps dogs because you know the the environment and the elements can be rough on their paw pads, and then and the waste bag dispenser obviously we all need that. (laughs) So, like, how did you identify that that was going to be your niche? Things around the dog walk.
1: Right. So it's, there are so many things out there and so many products get excited about that you could go down a rabbit hole in any one of these directions. So we decided that the dog walk is something that it's, you know, it's dedicated time spent with your dog and it's quite literally about the journey. So it's a way that you experience a bond with your dog day after day. Um, So if we could do anything to streamline this process or make it more convenient or eliminate some sort of hassle just to get you out the door with your dog, maybe quicker than you might, then we were really excited about doing that. So I think that with the dog waste bag dispenser in particular, our our new version of it is called stowaway because you can stash your spare house key, you can put your roll of dog bags or even an extra roll, you can throw your chapstick in there or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. And so anything to streamline this process of getting yourself out the door that's what we set out to do. Yeah. That's awesome. I started wearing a
0: fanny pack earlier this year and I'm not ashamed to say it because awesome. I can put my phone and poo bags and treats and my house key and like a little bit of money or, you know, totally. whatever. And then when I leave the house, I just grab that little pack and everything's already in there. So it's awesome. It's yeah. We idea. have one
1: of those in the pipeline and I don't want to say too much because we don't <gasps> have a yeah. But that's one of, that's another product that we are actively working on. So we're excited about that. Maybe next I'm year. excited.
0: Yay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, so speaking of dog walking, obviously you're inspired by your own dogs. How many dogs do you and your brother have between the two of you? We have two. Oh, okay. So tell, yeah. tell me or tell us, whoever's listening, how these
1: dogs came into your life. So Harvey is Eric's dog. Harvey, I think just turned 12 and Eric has had Harvey since he was two. So for a decade. Yeah. So Harvey was a rescue dog. And to be honest, I'm having a hard time remembering the exact story, but Harvey is a total goofball. (laughs) I mean, he acts like he is three years old.
0: He's the one that ate the whole thing of Paw Balm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he acts like he's two years old. I mean, he is just like your constant companion. And is always wanting your approval and is just you around everywhere in the most loving, adorable sort of way. Oh. And so he's he's still, you know, going on hikes in the mountains and jumping off rocks and maybe like he his brain is a little bit younger than his body at this point. So his brain is moving way faster than his than his legs. So oh, can what get kind of dog is he? A little bit. Oh gosh. He is a through and through mutt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's probably why so, he's so like tough and sturdy. Totally. Yeah, exactly. He's a good combination. Uh, my dog is Piper had Piper for about three years. So she's about four years old now. And I got her from animal humane, New Mexico. And it's actually sort of a sad story. So I had a dog before her and she was hit and killed by a car. Aww. And I was like, devastated. And I lived alone at the time and I had come home to my house and my dog wasn't there and it was just so sad. She and got out of the house when you weren't home? The something? gate ah. yeah, the gate got left open. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. I know. It was horrifying. And so she like left this big gaping hole in my heart and then probably before I was ready, <laughs> I went back to Animal Humane where I had originally gotten my first dog and then found my second dog. And so I like, honestly, this is like terrible to say, but like looking back, I got my second dog to like replace my first, Mm -hmm. but my second dog ended up being like, I didn't realize I could love another dog as much as I love my first dog. So my dog is Piper and she is, um, I refer to her as a grumpy teenager. She really <laughs> enjoys sleeping in. <laughs> she gets like, she gets a little mad if you want to like arrange the blankets under her. Cause she gets a little, like she wants to sleep, mm-hmm. but she is a little red healer mix. And she is so loyal. Like she is amazing. She comes immediately when you call her, she's like, right. at my, you know, right at my side. So she is just, yeah, she's a sweet one.
0: That's awesome. So do you guys do a lot of hikes and stuff out there? Is there a lot of dog friendly
1: things do. in Albuquerque? Mm-hmm. So Albuquerque is awesome because there's a river, the Rio Grande, which has you know, trees and woods and stuff on either side and lots of trails. And then the Sandia mountains are like 15 minutes away. So um, we're kind of sandwiched in between those two features, which means awesome hiking and walking and places to explore. So yeah. Yeah, it's a really great place to live with a dog. That's awesome.
0: Um, so I have one more question for you. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I am one of many siblings, but I, I grew up with three sister or two sisters. I'm, I'm one of three girls and we've always kind of had ideas like, Oh, we should work together on this or that. What is it like working with your sibling? And mm-hmm. would you have any advice for someone who, who's considering that?
1: Sure. So, As it's progressed over the last year, year and a half, Eric and I have really kind of settled into our own roles. So I think that was part of the, an important process that we went through um, over the past year is to really identify what is it that you enjoy and that you're good at. Mm -hmm. And luckily he and I Eric and I are very different, so we have a lot of different skill sets, and of course, they overlap. But we've kind of been able to pick and choose the things, like, "Hey, Eric, you take the lead on this thing, and I'll take the lead on this thing," and you know, and we'll confer with each other. Um, but it find that it's much easier if one person can kind of take the reins on a specific aspect of the business, and then check in with the other person rather than both trying to equally do everything together. Because it just, I feel like that just creates a standstill. Yeah.
0: I think it, it, so it sounds like you'd have to kind of treat each other like real employee or coworker kind of couple because you know, in families, I think there's so much like nonverbal communication. (laughs) (laughs) So I think if you're like working in a company together, it sounds like you just, communication is very important.
1: Right. And it's just like a mutual respect. Like, yes, he's my brother, but he's also another human who has all of these other things going on as well. It's not just the pet company. I mean, there's so many other things. Um, And so I think we just have like a really good mutual respect for each other and for each other's time. And that's really like the basis of all of it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you guys sound amazing. You're just like... (laughs) Love working well, together. You. You're like improving your whole community and making dog walking cuter. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying. <laughs> tell everyone where they can find you guys and where they can find Bumblebee Pet Company.
1: Sure. So we are online. Our uh, website is bumblebeepetco.com and Instagram and Facebook. You can find us there under Bumblebee Pet Co. We have a newsletter that you can sign up on on our website. And so that's a great way to stay in the know about the new pro- products that we're going to be coming out with over the next year. So yeah, that's where you can find us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jen. Uh, of course. Thanks so much,
0: Tori. Thank you for listening to the wear wag repeat podcast. You can fetch show notes at wear If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. So you don't miss an episode and until next time, we'll see you around the dog park.